This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Throughout the nation and around the globe, from his heart to yours, it's Dear James Live on the radio. Here on the Contact Talk Radio Network, bringing you intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dear James Live. Express yourself, tell it like it is, and then hear what Dear James has to say. And today we are talking about Beauty and the Beast. And I am, of course, joined with my amazing featured guest, Dr. Jan. Good morning, Dr. Jan. Good, Good morning. morning. How are you? Oh, I'm so excited that we're doing this show today. It's a big one. It is an incredibly big topic. And, yes. you know, people may have been a little bit confused by the title, Beauty and the Beast. And, and yet, what a perfect title. And what a perfect title. Because the issue that we're going to be discussing today is the, the, the polarities, if you will, that we are all born with. That we come into life with all of these perceived goods and less than goods. And in reality, you know, i.e. beauty and the beast. And here are these polarities that operate within us and, and how we deal with them in life and how we move through them. And so you and I have been discussing this topic. And uh, I want to kind of jump in really quickly with some statistics first, and then we're going to go into a lot more of the show. Is that good? That is so good. Awesome. Okay, so here we go. Here's something to know. 11 facts about, and this is just about body image. This is about things because this is such a huge, huge issue in our culture. This whole thing of how we see ourselves and how others see us and the disparity in that. And then what happens as those disparities play out, how do we handle them and everything? So I just want to start with some facts. This, these are coming from the do something.org um, campaign, and it's 11 facts about body image. And it says body image is the way that someone perceives their body and assumes that others perceive them. This image is often affected by family, friends, social pressure, and the media. And of course, when we're talking about media, we're talking about everything that we see in television and print ads and, you know, runway shows and, and clothing and all of this stuff. It's, you know, body image, body conscious. What do we look like? People who are unhappy with their bodies and don't seek healthy nutrition information may develop eating disorders. Eating disorders, of course, are unhealthy relationships with food that may include fasting, constant dieting, binging and purging. And we've talked about that. Dr. Jan, you and I have talked about that yes, on our on previous shows and how that really affects our psyche and our being, our soul. Number three is body image is closely linked to self-esteem. Low self-esteem in adolescence can lead to eating disorders, early sexual activity, substance use, and suicidal thoughts. You can post encouraging notes in your school bathrooms to brighten your classmates day. Now this was a suggestion that they used and we're going to tie into that later with these magic mirrors and oh, beautiful. Yes. You know, a couple of the other elements of pound like a girl and pound I'm enough. So we're going to get into that later in the show. Approximately 91% of women 
91% of women are unhappy with their bodies and resort to dieting to achieve their ideal body shape. Unfortunately, only 5% of women naturally possess the body type often portrayed by Americans in the media. Now, I know that that one, I want to stop there for a second and talk with you, Dr. Jam, because some of these or a lot of these statistics are going to focus on women. I'm so glad I was just, you were reading my mind, James, but see, course, we're, we're right. Well, because, <laughs> right. See, dear James. Well, you're because, good. you know, the yes. elements are that we society from a society standpoint, we don't believe that men, quote unquote, have these issues. Right. And yet that's not true. I mean, it's universal. There is no. Exactly. It, 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 there are no boundaries. On gender. This doesn't exactly. belong to one gender. That's right. Doesn't belong to one gender, to one race, to one demographic. You know, this is universal. It's it's soul. And it's so soul. It, it's of the soul. And That's so right. while these statistics are talking about women, understand, gentlemen, this applies to us as well. You know, these these are issues of how do we see ourselves and what are the issues that we're struggling with? What's the beauty and the beast within us? Um, 58% of college-aged girls feel pressured to be a certain weight. Can you imagine being, I mean, 58% of college-aged girls and the the dynamic or the 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 uh, the pressure, the pressure to fit and, a particular and, mold. Yes, and James, I think we also have to understand this is this is a, a sickness uniquely of our time. I was in college, you know, thirty five years ago. We did not have the media pressure, the media outlets. There was no social media. No, there were different kinds of pressures, and that's not to say that we didn't also struggle with image of ourself as being good enough. However, the extremes of pressure that are on young men and young women today are extraordinary. And that's very true because it's all real time now. It's 24-7. It's yes. with social media and, and the growth of, of course, television as it came, you know, as it came to be. And you could see imagery immediately. And then, of course, to the Internet where it's. 24/7 your your seen imagery bombard you and so it's this whole this whole speeding up if you will or expansion of issues that perhaps were dealt as you were saying you know perhaps were dealt more um how do you say it more more in a nucleus you know yes. that within a smaller frame if you will um, exactly and this this ties into what we were just talking about studies show that the more reality television, and of course, reality television is what within the last ten years. And and yes, and let's keep in mind that it's such a misnomer. There is no such thing as quote unquote reality television because all these images are so um, manipulated, it, transformed, I was say they're scripted, edited, right? Yeah. Scripted, etc. And people, unfortunately, psychologically, we know this is true. We can't distinguish what is real from what is not real when it's projected on a screen. Exactly. And you see, even though it's quote unquote reality television, you know, producers have a responsibility, if you will. I don't want to use the word responsibility. Their, their efforts are focused on dramatics and ratings. And, you know, so they can shape and mold a situation to look a certain way, even though if you were to look at the entire footage, it may not yes. have been as dramatic or played out and so forth. But yes. Basically, this particular item is studies show that the, that the more reality television a girl watches, the more likely she is to find appearance important. 
more than a third of the people who admit to normal dieting will merge into pathological dieting. Roughly Would a you please say that statistic again, James, because that is so important. It's huge. More yeah. than one third of the people who admit to normal dieting will merge into pathological dieting. Yeah. Roughly one quarter of those will suffer from a partial or full on eating disorder. So here again, what happens, it's a slippery slope because there's a disconnect and this is the whole meat of the show today that we're that Dr. Jan and I are going to discuss is this separation of not understanding your soul, yourself, your truest identity. And this conflict between the personality that is you and the purity which is your soul. Because everything from your soul is based in love. You are not a mistake. And when we start to look at this the recognition of that and how we then come to move into working with it. How do we come to overcome these issues of identity, of personality, the beast? And, you know, it's an interesting thing, right? I mean, I... I oh, my goodness. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to jump in here just because before we really get off and running, the idea that we titled the show today, Beauty and the Beast, it's so important to recognize that built into us as humans is this idea of polarity, so we have always struggled as, as from the time we came to consciousness, we've struggled with dark and light, shadow and light, and the shadow within ourself. Uh, all forms of psychology and psychotherapy from every tradition recognizes the need to bring harmony to the aspects of us that are in shadow as well as the aspects that are in light. So these fairy tales always represent the two polarities good and evil beauty and ugliness and and the beauty the, the beauty within the beast that's why these fairy tales are so impactful uh disney of course takes them and does what they will with them but the seed of the the idea remains that we struggle and now in our society in our culture this very human struggle has reached what we would call an epic proportion specifically as it relates to body image and acceptance of the self to the point that again suicide is on the rise in the most vulnerable populations of these teenage girls and teenage boys where their identity is what's in question and they literally uh, cannot stand the thought of themselves as not being a mistake as you said so james this is just so timely and, and spot on isn't it? And, and, and you said it a second ago, it's, it's recognizing that the beast is beauty in disguise. Yes. yes. And we're going to get into that in the, in the beauty of the actual, um, you know, beauty and the beast, of course, the actual song, the actual play, the actual movie, you know, the whole story, the fairy tale of the fact that in the deception of looking at the beast, there was beauty underneath of it. It was hidden. Yes. And are we able to see that? Are we able to expose our own beauty within, quote unquote, our perceived beast, our ugliness, if you will? So continuing really quickly, there's a, a four, more, four more statistics that I want to get out. In a survey, more than 40% of women and 20% of men agreed that they would consider cosmetic surgery in the future. The statistics remain relatively constant across gender, age, marital status, and race. Huge. I mean, 40% doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. 
when you think about it in terms of altering your physical appearance in order to achieve a perceived beauty. Exactly. And also what's so interesting in those statistics or perhaps not in those statistics, what we're, what we hear so much more about today is, is transgendering people yes. who are changing their genders. Now, for many people who are transgendered, it does come from a, a, a not only a biological sureness and a psychological certainty that their body was not the gender they were designed to be, but there is a subset of the transgendered who are looking to find the beauty Literally in the other gender, they can't find it within their uh, given gender or they're born into gender. So this is sort of a sub-theme in that population as well. Indeed, and that is a, you know, it is tremendously, of course, on the news and so forth with, with um, you know, the entire transgendered um, issue, you know, and, and the acceptance of it and the understanding, more than the acceptance, the understanding of it. Because when you understand that you Literally from the inside, your soul feels as though it's been born into the wrong body. Yes. And yet what you realize is, was that, is that quote unquote the wrong body or was the exercise to experience that transition to become whole? Because you are, of course, your soul arrives in a body, let's say in a male body, but yet you, you identify as female or vice versa. Exactly. This whole understanding that, in essence, you're looking at your body, your physical composition, as a beast. Exactly. Because from the inside, you're not beautiful. You're you're mismatched. So there's this there in there in and of itself is an, an issue where when you come into the understanding that this wasn't a mistake, that the soul is wanting you to experience something and to find the beauty within the beast. That's the acceptance, the transcendence, the transformation. So let's go to the, the, the last three here. Um, students, especially women, who consume more mainstream media place a greater importance on sexiness and overall appearance than those who do not consume as much. That's very interesting. Again, we're being, we're being um, impacted, if you will, or influenced is a better word. Yes. By what we're seeing, by what we're absorbing, by who we are with. So we, we all of these things play a role. 95% of people with eating disorders are between the ages of 12 and 25. 12 years old. Yeah. And real, you know, you say 95%. So, you know, any statistical research has plus or minus five degrees of, of certainty. So if you add, that's virtually 100%. Yeah, it's, it's, but I mean, to realize that at 12 years old, you're suffering. That's right. With, with an issue of self acceptance in the form of an eating disorder. That's staggering. And it, and it says that we can do better. It says that we, we all can do better. And that's hopefully what we're going to convey in today's show. And the, and the last statistic is only 10% of people suffering from an eating disorder will seek professional help. Exactly. Staggering. Yes. So, as we move from the point of the show and the point of Beauty and the Beast, the the entire expression of it is for us to have these discussions. And by the way, just Dr. Jan and I are taking your calls live. If you are dealing with 
any of these topics that we're talking about or just something completely different. Dr. Jan and I are both on today to take your calls live. The phone number is 877-230-3062. Have the courage to call in live and hear what the universe has to say, hear what Dr. Jan has to say. But we are talking today about Beauty and the Beast, the polarities within us and how to deal with them, how to recognize them and how to overcome them. You're listening to Dear James Live, Express Yourself. Tell it like it is, and then hear what Dear James has to say. Beauty and the Beast. We'll be back after this break. to be more consciously enlightened is innate. Do you feel there's more to life? If so, find the resource that's right for you by going to dearjames.com slash resources. You are the reality you create. Make it a great one. When you ask a question, the universe hears you and in a multitude of ways, They seek to communicate with you to provide the intuitive insight, answers, and advice you seek. From serious to silly, monumental to mundane, there's nothing the universe can't cover. Maybe the insight you receive is exactly the affirmation you were looking for. Then again, it may just give you a whole new perspective on things. And that's the beauty of the universe. Submit your question to Dear James at DearJames.com and click Ask. The gift of giving is immeasurable. Give of your time, talent, resources, and money. Give not only because you can, but because by doing so, it is already coming back to you. As a people, we are only as strong as the least among us. Together, we harness the power of the collective whole and see through our deeds the power of miracles, both large and small. Find the charity that's right for you by visiting www.dearjames.com and click on Charitable Giving. One person or kind act really does make the difference. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dear James Live. Express yourself. Tell it like it is, and then hear what Dear James has to say. Today with my amazing featured guest, Dr. Jan, and we are talking about beauty and the beast, polarities within self and soul, the personality and the soul. So, Dr. Jan, we were just talking during the break quickly that the discussion that you were saying that um, that these um, eating disorders and these ailments and everything can actually start earlier than yes. the age of 12. Definitely. So speak to we, that for a moment. Well, we see the precursors in this. And I was mentioning, first of all, again, a culture that values competition over cooperation, uh, spawning beauty pageants for little ones who are, you know, at three, at two, at three. They're, they're much too young to make their own choices. And so it's part of the cultural 
zeitgeist that a, a family might decide to put a child this young into a beauty pageant where what is valued is appearance, possibly some quote-unquote talent. But, of course, at that age, it's too early for any of that to be formed anyway. So it's it's a beauty and appearance. And as early as five, we have uh, young girls measuring their appearance, having what you had mentioned before, body dysmorphia, where they see themselves out of proportion to how they actually are. And, um, you know, certainly by the age of six, seven, nine, nine is a big watershed. Fourth grade is a watershed year where young girls begin to compare themselves with others and, and begin food restricting. And so by the time somebody has a full-blown eating disorder, there have been often years of uh, red flags and warning signals in that direction. And something in that, what I want to start with, and I want to backtrack for a second here, is to have everybody really understand what we're talking about today at its core, at its foundation. You come into life, you are a soul, and your soul chooses, selects with this, with this divinity, this divine purpose, and everything based on love, and they choose your entire composition, your body. Now, some people hearing that are going to say, what? What's he talking about? Because we, of course, are conditioned and thought it's exactly the opposite. We're a body with a soul. And thereby, we didn't really choose anything and we didn't come here. You know, this is not all, you know, pre-planned in a sense, if you will. And so there's this understanding, there's foundational understanding that if you'll accept, if you'll consider the understanding that you're a soul, who creates a body, who creates the experiences that before you ever arrive, you are choosing all of the people, all of the lessons, the experiences that you want to to experience in this life and from a place of love. And thereby, once you come, and of course, then the veil is, is covered, you can't see what, um, you know, what you chose. And we arrive and we begin to experience life in a 3D form, in our densest form. And that, Dr. Jan, you know, when we start understanding that it's our personality that's in conflict with our soul. Exactly. That creates this dis-ease, that creates, because it's us battling. I mean, literally, and you and I have talked about this. I mean, there are times where we're doing something and we're like, did I really choose this? I right. mean, right? You're sitting there like, and most people, if they, if, if you arrived and you got to a particular age and they said, okay, hey, here's your document of everything that you said you were going to do in this life. I'm sure that at least half of it or more, you'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. Yeah. What was I in the wrong line uh, right. in the bathroom when they were handing out these opportunities? What, what happened? Right, right. What? what? Was yeah. I last? Did somebody pick me last at gym class? I mean, what happened? Yes. Therein lies the beauty of the whole point, the understanding. When you start looking back at everything, when you start looking at your body, your image, the consciousness that you believe your image is, versus that how others see you, how you portray yourself, and you start asking your soul, if you start listening and you start asking your soul, why did I choose this? You're going to hear answers. And 
James, oh, I'm sorry go to ahead. interrupt, no, but I, go ahead. I, I just, I just, you know, I have this beautiful example from my practice, uh, many years ago, and, and this is a different kind of, um, body dysmorphia. Many, many years ago, somebody called and asked if I would take them as a patient, but they, but I needed to know that they were quite disfigured and difficult to look at. Now, we were talking on the phone, and you can only imagine, I was conjuring up hideous images of what this person might look like. And when he came into the office, he was actually quite attractive. He was very adorable. Now, he absolutely had a physical condition that most people would notice. But beautiful eyes, a beautiful face, a lovely manner. And so we took years to really determine that he was trapped he had provided this body of his to come to learn the lesson that it isn't about physical appearance. Because as soon as he started opening up to people and letting go of that idea of himself as as ugly, of course the world was ready to meet him as the beautiful soul he was. And although he never thought he'd get married, never thought he'd have a family, etc., of course he's married beautiful family, a beautiful life. He needed to have that. He gave himself the sole realization that he was, he, he's, he is beauty. Well, and I know when we were getting ready for the show, we were also talking about elephant man. Right. And I was just going to lead into that, that here, that this kind of, you know, if you will, parallels the fact that you come to realize that the beauty of like, with, as with this patient, the beauty resided within it wasn't what sat external or what his personality believed to be deficient, diseased. You know, it was recognizing the gift in his soul having chose that particular physical um, vessel. And very much right. like, the, you know, like the elephant man here, um, Joseph Carey Merrick was, he was um, the elephant man, if you will, the true story of the elephant man. Um, he died in 1890, but the, at the age of 27, um, and of course had a, a a very large deformed cranium. A ha- his head was measured at something like 36 inches round and so forth. Um, very disfigured. But there was something that was very beautiful in his story um, that I want to share with the listeners. And, and it was described by biographers that he was an avid writer of letters. And he often concluded his letters with a poem by the hymnist Isaac Watts, and it was called or titled uh, False Greatness. And it begins, "'Tis true my form is something odd, but blaming me is blaming God." Mm. Just that, when you understand Mm. that he found within himself he came, I mean, he suffered abuse. He was part of the, you know, he was part of the circus as a freak show, this whole thing until he was basically saved by um, a doctor um, who took over his care and everything and brought him to find, to basically begin to see his beauty, to see that he was a human being. He was a soul. That was. He was saved in, by love. He was saved by love. And, um, uh, just to share some of his his ailments, if you will, perceived ailments, was in addition to his cranial deformity, Merrick also suffered from grayish skin growths, a, scurv- a curved spine, and a severely enlarged right arm and hand. Now, something that through this story right now, um, and I don't know if anybody's seen it 
um, the, in 60 Minutes on this past Sunday, did a beautiful um, segment on Bradley Cooper, who is the actor Bradley Cooper, who is on um, Broadway right now playing the Elephant Man. And the incredibly beautiful piece about that, Dr. Jan, is that he wears no prosthetics. He does every ounce of this play from beginning to end in his natural physical form as Bradley Cooper. However, he stands in the beginning of the show with the doctor describing the elements that I just read to you. And as he describes each one, Bradley Cooper enacts those ailments. He begins to disform himself until he's done with the, he's hunched over, his his body is twisted, his his uh, right arm and so forth and hand are, are curved and, you know, very disfigured. His face and jaw, very disfigured. And all of a sudden, the, the doctor walks over and places the cane, a cane, a walking stick in his other hand. Mm. And he says, and this was the elephant man. And at that point, Bradley Cooper lets out this wail, this mm. guttural sound. And he becomes the elephant man. Mm. And he says in the interview, if I can't become him at that moment, the entire play doesn't work because he does not have any prosthetics. Incredible. And that goes, it, it's incredible. And if you haven't seen it, please go and, and, you know, if you haven't seen the play or if you haven't seen this segment, to witness just that segment speaks to the fact that his soul, Bradley Cooper's soul as an actor, takes on the lessons, the essence, and transforms himself in front of the audience to standing ovations every night. And there's something... And you know, James, yes. yes I'm sorry of, to interrupt again, but no, as you're no, talking, no, I'm, thinking of, I'm, I'm thinking of Michael Jackson, who had a strong interest in the Elephant Man. As you may remember, there was even a very controversial media thing where I think he was he got the Elephant Man's remains or something like that. And we've, we saw Michael Jackson morph throughout the course of his life uh, as, I believe, an inability to see his true beauty, trying to make that match what he perhaps felt inside. And he made a song, I'm Looking in the Man in the Mirror. So um, I know you want to talk about mirrors today and how right. what mirror do we choose to see ourselves in? Indeed. And, and one thing I just want to add before we, we move on to that is this was an article that I'm quoting from an article that was written uh, by the Daily Beast. Um, uh, and it, and it finishes with ironic name, right? The Daily Beast. I, you got to love the way the universe works. Got to um, love the way the universe works. Yeah. And the writer said, the gentle, erudite soul within a body, the public considered an oddity, is the contrast at the heart of the elephant man. Mm. The soul, this gentle, loving, beautiful soul. So when, for all of you listening, when you realize that no matter what someone else sees or no matter what you as the personality think, feel within yourself, understand it's your gentle, beautiful, divinely inspired, perfect soul that is most present, that has the opportunity to be most fulfilling, most present. And when you align, as, as Gary Zukov says in The Seat of the Soul, when you align your personality in service of your soul, incredible things will happen for you. 
because it's coming to understand that you are perfect just the way you are. And you chose this body, this life, these, you know, these, um, what do we want to, uh, uh, characteristics and thereby start looking at them from that perspective that you chose them perfectly. I want to go into Dr. Jen, you were talking about mirrors and let's go to the amazing, and this kind of ties into three, but we're going to do them before we have to take our second break, but magic mirrors. Now, the all-female band out of, I believe it's Austin, Texas, called The Misses, created a song, wrote a song, and because they said that they found that, again, women, that women deal every day with feeling like they're not enough, like they haven't done enough, they haven't, you know, they haven't, you know, and I can't imagine, I mean, you're, you're a, a career working mother, you know, it doesn't stop from the moment you awake to the moment you go to bed. It's you know, true. Women are constantly trying to juggle, you know, 32 plates. And that overall, they feel like they don't have, um, that they're not enough, you know, that they just don't measure up somehow. And so this yes, female we're band. Never looking at the, we're never looking at all the plates that are spinning. We look at the one that's slipping or perhaps one that got away. Of course, as, as we, right? I mean, as a Virgo, I understand that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Virgos are always looking at everything that's, we already know everything that's perfectly fine and we zero in on what's not right. And yet, and yet we have to then look and see. In fact, we're going to go to a quick station break because I'm hearing a lot of feedback. So you're listening to Dear James Live. Express yourself. Tell it like it is and then hear what Dear James has to say. We'll be back right after this break. Available for private, individual, group, and corporate consultations, Dear James will provide you with the intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions. Schedule your consultation by going to www.dearjames.com and click on Consultation. The gift of giving is immeasurable. Give of your time, talent, resources, and money. Give not only because you can, but because by doing so, it is already coming back to you. As a people, we are only as strong as the least among us. Together, we harness the power of the collective whole and see through our deeds the power of miracles, both large and small. Find the charity that's right for you by visiting www.dearjames.com and click on Charitable Giving. One person or kind act really does make the difference. When you ask a question, the universe hears you. And in a multitude of ways, they communicate to you the intuitive insight, answers, and advice you seek. Ask Dear James a question and experience the magic of the universe. 
Visit DearJames.com and click Ask. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dear James Live. Express yourself. Tell it like it is, and then hear what Dear James has to say. We are, of course, being joined with my amazing featured guest, Dr. Jan, and we are talking about Beauty and the Beast, the uh, perceived polarities within ourselves. So, Dr. Jan, we have our first caller, Julie from Mass. Hello, Hello Julie, from Julie. Mass. Hello, Dr. Jan. Hi, James. I have a question on this new moon. How can we let the soul shine in the mirror of our eyes and not, like, what what good step we could take today? Mm. You know, I'm, go ahead, Dr. Jan. I, hear, well, I, I, just, I want you to jump in first, and then I'll, I'm going to tag in behind what you. What a fabulous question. You know, you, met, you brought up the new moon. This is a really important new moon because of where it sits uh, right on the borderline between uh, Pisces and Aquarius. And uh, Venus is involved and uh, the idea of beauty and how and, and, you know, a new moon is an obscure moon. It's a dark moon. In fact, this one's called the black moon uh, because we can't see it. it. It gets in between the earth and the sun. And at the moment, there's nothing to reflect the light. So we have the imagination that it's not there. And yet what it really represents is where all potential lies. That's what's in the dark. That's the, that's the beauty of shadow. So one of the things we can do in the, in the new moon, again, I wanted to mention the new moon is, um, at 609 Eastern Standard Time. So for your Pacific audience, James, that's 309 this afternoon, 609 tonight. That's when it's going to kind of be, the opportunity is going to be so ripe for setting intention. New moon is the time to set our intention and simply by asking, inviting in, saying, I set the intention that I find my own beauty reflected. In the eyes of the other, whether the other is someone you look at in your life or your own reflection in the mirror, I believe that's a very strong intention that we can set. And, you know, something Dr. Beautiful, first and foremost, beautifully said, beautifully articulated. Um, That's why I love you so much. Um, (laughs) You know, and you used a word elusive and Julie, what I would say to everyone that's listening, as Dr. Jan has said, it's the new moon. It's new opportunity. Each new moon is a new opportunity. And, of course, our intentions drive everything. And I would find that the interesting thing and the tie-in for me with this is that we find it, we find our beauty. What we're talking about is the fact that is the elusiveness of our beauty, of our own innate divine beauty. And that, and here in the black of this moon, the dark of the moon, where you can't see it, but you know that it exists. And it's coming to the understanding that it exists and that it's with you, that, that your beauty, your essence, your divinity is so pure and it's consistent. It does not ebb and flow. It's the personality that ebbs and flows. But the soul is constant. It cannot be anything but pure love, pure beauty, and thereby when you start to understand in this new moon to make the intention, to set the intention of that understanding and that you will come to recognize every day 
you will find something to appreciate in your beauty, in your body, in what you do for your family, for your children, that for all of us, in what you do with your job, your career, to make this commitment to yourself that you are perfect and whole just the way you were created. Because you played a hand in that creation. You chose it on a soul level. We all chose this life, these experiences, this, you know, these bodies, this sex, this religion, this demographic, whatever it might be, we chose them so as to expand as a soul, so as to evolve, so as to transcend its ascension. And when we really understand that that's what is at play here and that this new moon being elusive and yet it carries such it's a huge one. It's, it's a very special one, as I understand from my readings. I am not astrology, um, uh, you know, a master of astrology by any stretch of the imagination as Dr. Jan has, has uh, practiced and so forth as well. But there's a, there's a great, am I, I'm, I'm correct, Dr. Jan, that this one yes. has special very, impact. Yes, it has a very special impact. And, and the, the seeds we plant in this new moon are going to carry over not only through the entire month, but, you know, through the rest of the entire year. It's part of a sequence of new moons leading up to, um, a, a, an eclipse event and all kinds of things. So yes, it's right. a very potent, very Winter. potent. Power and transformation, exactly. Yes, so they're, exactly. They're powerful and they're transformative. So, Julie, that was that is what our our suggestion is. Is it's about your intentions and set them and realize at your core that your beauty is not elusive. No one's beauty is elusive. It's constant. You were born with it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so Julie. much for having the courage to call in. And, and dear James, do I have a minute to talk about the polar opposite of what we're discussing, which is narcissism? Absolutely, absolutely, because we want to do this, and we we do have a second caller, but we're gonna let's go right. to that for let's go to what you're talking okay, about. Just very quickly, you, because I can hear the audience thinking. But what about this culture of narcissism? What about people who gaze at themselves in the mirror in their reflection? All they can see is themselves. You know, aren't we a culture of narcissists? And I want to say that that is the that is again the the projected shadow, the the part of emptiness that can't deal with the soul's beauty. So if you are asking yourself the question, as so many people do, can I gaze at myself lovingly? Won't that make me a narcissist? I can tell you the difference between narcissism and the acceptance of your soul as beautiful is that the narcissistic experience is extremely empty. We keep looking in the mirror to try and fill our cup, fill ourselves. Think of this uh, Snow White stepmother. Yeah. That's, right. that's the exactly. emptiness of narcissism. But the full, the, when, when, when we truly see our soul's reflection, we are filled. Our cup is full. And that's the difference. So there you go. Yeah, and I was just going to, because, uh, you know, when you think about that, too, I was going to say, because, again, when you look at narcissism, that is a diseased situation from the personality, yes. Yes. with the personality and the soul. That's right. So, again, it's not the soul that is narcissistic. Exactly. It's the personality creating this reality for itself. Yes. Because it can't deal with the insecurities of what the soul is trying to teach it. Yes. It's, it's challenging the soul, if you will, or trying to defy the soul. And for anybody listening, you can't defy the soul. <laughs> 
you know. Really? Are you sure? I just, I just want, you know, I just want everybody to really get that, that, you know, the universe is, you know, they're good and they're clever and we have free will and we can learn lessons any way we want. But we did sign up for what we signed up for. Yeah. And, you know, they whisper, they nudge, they give the, the, the blinking yellow lights, they, they kind of give you a shout and then they whack you with a two by four. And, and it just, you know, and, and, and it happens. And that's the natural progression of the fact that the soul is, you know, the, the soul is master, so to speak. So um, let's go into our, let's take our second caller, Susan from Massachusetts. Hello, Susan. Hi, James. Good morning. How are you? Good. I'm good. Hi, Susan. Hi. So what's happening, Susan? Um, when you were talking about feeling like women feel like they don't have enough or don't offer enough. Yes. Um, I'm in a post-divorce situation where um, I feel like I need to, I, I shouldn't have to, but I feel like I need to provide for my children, and it's really hard to figure out how I'm going to do that, and um, that I also feel like I need to be there for them, and it's hard to... Do I feel like I just can't do it all. Well, and that's, I mean, you just said it. I, I want to start there, is that we don't always have to do it all. It's in recognizing our, when we're out of balance. That's huge. Because, um, but there's also, um, uh, there are things that are playing out here that, um, that, there was some trickery is what I'm getting. The word that I'm getting is trickery going on. There was, you know, in this post-divorce situation and, and kind of the relationship in itself, there was some some trickery is the word they're giving me. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of mischief and misdirection and game playing. Right. And so for you, you know, we always have a choice in, um, you know, and kind of spiraling downward. Um, you know, we call it kind of like horizontal movement or spiral, you know, downward movement as a soul yeah. or, or vertical movement, ascension. And so you, you don't want to get caught up in guilt, trickery, game playing, you know, being out of balance. I can't do it all. All of that leads you to be like, <sighs> you know, it, it just spirals you downward. It, yeah, I, I feel like I, I get caught in that a lot. Like, right. yeah, there's a kind of a, yeah, like it's very easy to, it's hard to feel like I'm going up, it's hard to feel like I'm going where I need to go, and yeah. Well, and, and what they're saying to me is also, you need to stop worrying about what everybody else is going to think or say. Yeah. Your intentions, your motivations and your intentions are driven based on what everyone's going to think of you. She's a bad wife. She's a bad mother. She's not enough. She's not good enough. She, 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 she. And James, and you need to talking, eliminate that. Yeah. And as you're talking to Susan, I'm seeing so strongly again, mirrors the image of the fun house in the mirrors where everywhere right. you look, you're getting a distorted reflection. And so a, such a big part of um, the soul's healing, especially when there's been trickery and deceit, is finding a reflection, be that 
an, an, you know, a, a person in your life who is a, a trusted colleague or perhaps a support person, a mentor, a therapist, whatever, who will reflect honestly and accurately the beauty of who you are and what you've come here to accomplish and these beautiful children of yours and how much they love you and you love them and that your care for them is enough. It's not going to be the material things, although I know you're, you're literally talking about keeping food on the table or a roof over their heads. Uh, but that's where really a trusted mirror is so significant and important. Yeah, it, it's really, Susan, realizing, and, and this harks back to these mirrors that we were talking about in the, the all-female band, The Misses, where the song is, I'm enough. Exactly. And when you start seeing your soul and you stop worrying about what everybody else is thinking and saying and, you know, let them have their thoughts and their beliefs. They're theirs. They have nothing to do with you. The only thought and belief that you need to hold is every day I, walk, I wake up perfect and evolving. And if I can choose to stand in my beauty, in my grace... And be a good person and be a good mother and be what I can be in that moment of, of each moment. That, that's all that matters. Yeah, and, I think I, yeah, I, that sounds wonderful. You see what I'm saying? Because, you know, easier said than done. I understand that. But, but if you're looking for to set an intention, this new moon and to set an intention, set the one that says, I'm enough. And I would uh, have you, we're going to have a private consultation, but I want you to go, um, if you have access to a computer and the internet, look up the um, I'm Enough, you go to YouTube and look up the I'm Enough campaign by the missus and see that. And then we'll talk, you know, in our private session. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for having the courage to call in live today. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. You know, before we run out of time, we're down to the last four minutes, and I just—I ah! know it goes by too fast. And and what this that, is it to be continued. I was just going to say we're going to need to do a Beauty and the Beast Part Two because yeah. it's too big of a topic to, um, and there's too many other great information, things of information that I want to, you know, impart with you. Yes. Um, so, a, a parting thought on on Part One of Beauty and the Beast, Doctor Jan. We we got three minutes. Go ahead and a parting thought. Oh, my gosh, just that um, my heart is so full because um, to think about the, the individual beauty of all of our souls and the collective soul, to remember that we are a unity. We all reflect each other. We are aspects of each other. There is no beauty and beast, as you were saying, because we're unity. And so all the beauty we see in the world is us. Mm. It is us. And, and the interesting piece about that is to remember every time you elevate your soul, every time you shine, you let your light shine, it adds to the collective whole. That's and right. so I, we are energy, we are light. And when you start seeing that our radiance, your radiance amplifies outward. And it amplifies to the people closest to you first. And that goes for positive energy, positive light. Or negative light, mm-hmm. you know, negative energy. And mm-hmm. so to realize that how that affects everyone. And so when you start listening and you're looking at the polarities within you, start to see them as, as not polarities, but as one singular gift given at the time of your creation 
for you to experience life in a way that you could come to be whole and complete. That's what we're talking about. And the more that you become whole and complete and unified and beauty and shining your light that is with you every step of every day, if you attract that and you focus on that and you focus your intentions on that light, that wholeness, it's a ripple effect that goes out to all of humanity. And that's the gift and the beauty in Beauty and the Beast. Dr. Jan, I adore you. I, I love these. They go by way too fast. They go by too um, fast. Right they, back at you, dear James. So we are going to be coming back to you again in the very near future with Beauty and the Beast Part 2 because there's an entire amount of information and just amazing things of goodness um, that we would love to share with all of you. And that's really the point of doing these shows is to share that goodness with you and to share Dr. Jan, by the way, for everybody listening, it's drjanseward.com. And if you'd like more information, you may also go to dearjames.com. And if you are thinking about an intuitive consultation, please also go to dearjames.com and click on consultation. You've been listening to Dear James Live. Express yourself. Tell it like it is. And then hear what Dear James has to say. Beauty and the Beast with my amazing featured guest, Dr. Jan. And uh, we will be back next week. And as I would like to say each week, closing with you, no matter where you are or whom you're with or what you're doing, wrap yourself in goodness. You've been listening to Dear James Live on the radio with your host, Dear James. Gain intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions and so much more by tuning in next week and visiting DearJames.com.